I got a good friend uh, joining me for an important conversation at an important time. Uh, uh, Jimmy Rollins, who I'm going to get here on the screen in just a second, um, and his wife, Irina, uh, friends of any of mine, and um, just good, good people. And uh, in times like these when, um, you know, people watching this many, not just in New York or around the U.S., but around the world, when there is a, a righteous outcry um, against injustice and uh, racism um, that's echoed around the world, this is a super important time um, for people, for the church uh, to be leaning in, to be um, having hard conversations and asking what real change looks like. And so I'm going to get my friend Jimmy on the screen here. I love you, man. And I am beyond grateful that you would um, take the time. You guys pastor an awesome church, uh, I-5 in Baltimore. And um, I'm grateful for you, man, and um, to have this conversation. Absolutely. Well, uh, what's going on, Liberty Church? Uh, you all are not strangers. Uncle Jimmy is here. That's right. I'm so uh, honored uh, to be before you today um, and talk with your amazing pastors, some of the best people in the world. You all have the grace that's on their life and the compassion uh, and just the, the pioneering spirit of your church, like even as uh, you champion other churches and plant other churches that uh, I'm excited to help equip you uh, to continue to pioneer through hard times uh, and really take new territory. So honored to be on the call, honored to be before you, and uh, I, I hope that the Lord speak to your heart today. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm grateful. I mean, I just, I, you know, there's no script for today. Um, <laughs> we, uh, it's, big, it's a big time. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know, I know just, you know, out of knowing you, I know you're having a lot of conversations with a lot of people right now um, in your own church, but amongst friends and with other churches. So, I mean, maybe we could just, maybe we can even just start with like, you know, where are we right now? What are you hearing? What are you, what are you seeing? Um, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you asking that. And I, I think, you know, to kind of, you know, set uh, disclaimers, if you will, before we get into this so we can have a baseline is I don't think anything takes God by surprise. Right. And uh, I think the the tensions are high. I think that there is a narrative that the media uh, is trying to tell that is really not the true narrative. Uh, I believe that the enemy works in division. Uh, and so the more he can keep us divided, uh, the, you know, the less we'll experience revival uh, in our country. Um, and so right now, I believe that the, these heightened racial, uh, you know, tensions that are going on right now, and you know, uh, the issues that we've seen, you know, through video, uh, really murders um, with Ahmaud Arbery and uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor uh, is... I think we have this amazing opportunity to make their lives count for something more than just tragedy. Yeah. Um, I think we have an opportunity in this uh, heightened season to really, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts individually. Um, I don't believe that uh, we, you know, are going to just try to, you know, push policy through because what's the use of policy with no heart change? Mm. Uh, and uh, you know, and so I'm, I'm, I'm actually more hopeful as an African-American uh, 
um, of bridging the racial divide than I ever have been uh, in this season. Yes, I'm hurt. Uh, yes, there's, you know, the emotional uh, toll is great. Uh, yes, um, I'm having hard conversations with my son as a 17-year-old black African-American. I'm having hard conversations with my white friends, including uh, your amazing pastors. Um, but like, what, what better opportunity do we have to have dialogue? And I think this, Paul, that before people make decisions, uh, there must first be an opportunity for dialogue. So um, I'm, I'm pumped about the conversation. Yeah. Talk to me. I mean, I love your son. <laughs> Talk to me about the conversations with Jay. Oh, absolutely. Well, I think the conversation started, you know, um, just in, when I was his coach, when he was, a, you know, very young and playing sports. And dad, how come, you know, this is that? And how come the white people are sitting over there and the black people are sitting over there? Just little innocent questions from, uh, from the perspective of, of a young person who's not born with hate or diversity or how do we, I mean, like, you know, a, a world that's not diverse, you know, his worldview was, we're just people. Mm -hmm. And so having to explain these things, uh, why he didn't get chosen for that team, but he got chosen for this team. Why um, does, are those people following us uh, in Nordstrom? You know, I've noticed that, like, why do you keep talking to me about my hands at 10 and two when he turns 16? Um, why can't I wear my hood outside? It's a hoodie. Like, why can't I wear my hood on my hoodie, you know, when I'm out with my friends? Why do I, am I not allowed to wear my do-rag? These are questions that, you know, if we don't fix this, even if our future is different, we will pass down the fears, we will pass down the ignorance, we will pass down the divide, we will pass down the paranoia, we will pass down uh, unforgiveness to the next generation. So I feel like that we are a generation away from being better at this. Right. We have to take this into our hands right now to understand that, you know, you don't break a stronghold in four days, especially something that's been around for 400 years. Some could argue 2000 years, you know, Jews and Samaritans like, and so we have to be willing one conversation at a time, one, uh, correction at a time that I'm not going to laugh at that joke. One post at a time that silence could actually mean agreement, but everything is a brick and the greater the divide, the longer it's going to take to build a bridge to bring it back together. Mm. So um, my conversations with my son have been hard, but they're not new. You know, we're just talking about it. You know, racism isn't new. It's just being videoed, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, at the same time, I'm telling my son, I have hope that, you know, it's going to be better. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely conversations happening right now where um, it's not only what's in the individual heart, but some of the systemic nature um, of injustice and racism as well. And I, th I think sometimes it almost feels like those are the places where um, it's almost, 
it's like in people's blind spots, I feel like. And maybe I'm particularly saying that as a white person, right? I heard somebody the other day say, you know, they asked me the question, they're like, when you grow, grew up, did you, did you ever talk about like whiteness? I was like, actually, no, that was not a thing. And he's like, well, as a black man, like we talked as a family about what it meant to be, yeah. be black. And so I do think there are things that have been invisible that are starting to be exposed uh, to people. Um, things of a kind of a systemic nature. Um, and I think it's also in those places where, I don't know, my heart is like, how do we, I mean, I know that change starts with me. So I, I own that. And that's, I mean, that's why I'm having these conversations, even if it only helps me. Um, what, where, what do we, what do we, what do we do, Jamie? Like as a friend, what, what do we, what do we do to affect change beyond ourselves in times like oh. these? I think, first of all, acknowledging that we do have blind spots, right? Acknowledging, um, and that's what I love about this, is that a lot of my white friends have been calling and saying, man, I, I've got these blind spots. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let's look at it this way. Thank you first for just asking the Lord to search your heart. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, when you are in a car driving, uh, there are perspectives that you don't have uh, if you're trying to change lanes um, and you got to lean forward to see who's beside you, who's behind you, who's around you in your view, in your rear view mirror, you got to lean forward a little bit. And when you lean forward, it changes your perspective and you got to lean back to listen to someone else who is in the back seat, um, you know, who, who can see exactly what's going on. And what I love right now is, our, I love the fact that we're saying we're in the same vehicle. Mm -hmm. like we're in the same kingdom of God. You know, that's the unifier. And I just can see the world from a different perspective. But when you lean in to look and you lean back to listen, uh, our, our, this thing can go to another level where we're not bumping into each other and crashing and burning in this season. And so uh, I'm excited, Paul, of, of people who are willing to lean in. And I'm at Liberty Church, I just want to encourage you to just lean in. Mm -hmm. Lean in to people that don't look like you. Lean in uh, to, to, to just look at life from a different perspective and also lean back to listen. And when you change your posture, right, God can use this for a greater purpose. And uh, what I've been doing is saying, man, I don't know everything. I'm not an expert on being black, but I'm an expert of being Jimmy Rollins, being an African-American. Um, <laughs> in my experiences. And if we're willing to share each other's experiences, yeah. I think it first starts with um, recognizing our differences. And isn't it what like scripture talks about? Like you are here to be light, bringing out the God colors of the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going as public with this, as public as a city on a hill. Well, I see color. You see color and like, we're not, we don't want to just pass over this one says, you know, well, we're all the same and we don't see color. Well, I, I would beg to differ. I'm different. Paul, you're white. I'm, I'm black. And you know, uh, I get a lot ashier faster than you. Uh, you get sunburned. You know, I just get <laughs> different. And here's the thing that it's our differences that make us better. And we, we, you know, I believe that the beginning is diversity. The end is unity. And many of us, we have uh, substituted unity for uniformity. Mm -hmm. Because when it's uniformity, there's no diversity. 
But diversity, uh, you know, with togetherness actually equals unity. Right. And here's the deal. Like, if you don't accept my differences, you will never seek to understand my experiences. Because if, our, if we're not different, then you would just think that our experiences are the same. But when you lean forward and change your position to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explore our differences, now we can begin to have conversations of understanding our experiences. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's where I'm at. That's interesting. Um, I feel like some, and I think I'm sure they're well-meaning or, or I don't know, I can't judge their motives, but some in the church world are really fast right now in times like these to jump into, Hey, you know, let's not, let's not tear each other apart. Like let's, you know, they're, they're right all about the unity piece. Yeah. Right away you are going then. Can you like speak to it a little bit? Cause I think some, some people in moments like these, they're like, you know, let's come together, you know, um, you know what I mean? And they'll talk, and this is like classic, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm colorblind, or you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. like it's, it's all about one name, or, or they'll, they'll hashtag like, all lives matter, you know what I mean? Right now, because they're trying to make it about everybody, or you know what I mean? Let's not, let's not be angry, and you know, like, talk, talk to me, talk to me about, about that, and why that's such a, well. Well, I, I feel like that I understand it. Uh, I'm not saying I, I have compassion for it. And my prayer, Paul, in this season is, even as a black man, God, give me compassion for the people I can't convince. Hmm. Uh, God, let me look at the crowds, no matter if they're a rioting crowd, uh, no matter if they're um, protesting peacefully crowd, no matter if it's a white crowd, black crowd, Hispanic crowd, Asian crowd, poor crowd, rich crowd. When Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion on them. And one of the things in my prayer in this season, if my crowd doesn't require compassion, I need a new crowd. Wow. And when Jesus looked, had the crowd, when he looked at the crowds, he said he had compassion on them. But then he took it a step further. He said, they're like sheep that don't have a shepherd. Now, here's the deal. If we judge a crowd, we can't bring them Jesus. But if we look at the crowd as sheep without a shepherd, then we want to experience life from their point of view. As Paul said, I entered into their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. He goes on to say, I did it because of the gospel. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. He says, I did it because of the message. Now, listen, if I don't accept our differences, I can't get into your world to sit in the path of the world. The word compassion, uh, it means to suffer with in the Latin. And I'm going to boil it down to this. And if you're listening, Liberty, I just pray that it's not political. It doesn't matter. Compassion simply in its rawest form is putting your hurts in my heart. And when you do that, then you can take a position as a shepherd to help move along the sheep that one has left the hundred and now you're willing to leave the 99 to go after the one. But here's the deal. 
you can't speak to this. And I've even told a lot of white pastors who have, you know, non-white people in their church, how can you pastor someone that you don't know anything about their pasture? And so I'm looking to help equip people to say, hey, I don't understand. Will you help me so that I can minister to you in the season and I can stand with you into the season? And Paul, I'll say it this way. I've got three kids and I'll never know what it's like or the pain of birthing a baby. Never know. Never. It's impossible. Right. But it doesn't mean that I can't be coached in Lamaze class to stand with my wife, hold her hand and help her breathe through pain that I'll never experience myself. And if we would not focus on what divides us and start focusing on what unites us, that when I became a Christian, you became my brother, no matter your political background, right? You, we just became brothers. And now that we're brothers, I'm called to put your hurts in my heart. Because now what I have to realize is I love the fact that we're different, but my ethnic culture, when I became a Christian, became a subculture to the kingdom culture. So first, we're brothers, first. Second, you're white and I'm black, brother. But why would, your, would, you not, would your heart not hurt for your brother? So when I saw George Floyd under the knee of someone who needs compassion because he is also a sheep without a shepherd. I didn't see George Floyd, I saw my son. And so Liberty Church, I'm asking you not to you know, position yourself with the narrative of the media but if you would think about your closest African-American friends and see them under that knee, you then have compassion. No matter if people are rioting, no matter how people vote, you just see that person as your brother. Talk to me about, talk to me about lament. You use that word and I feel like it, it's kind of gotten lost a little bit in the church today and maybe not everywhere. Maybe that's just, you know, some of the circles that I've been in, but I, I feel like, I feel like uh, vulnerability. I feel like lament. I feel like um, some of these things, you know, to sit with pain. I mean, the Psalms are full of it. You know what yeah. I mean? But it's sometimes I think there's a tendency in times like these, we want to rush to, victory or faith and in and and that's part of the narrative but talk to talk to me about that ability because i think that's very personal too to sit with people like you know to sit with that pain to allow ourselves to feel like you gave the example you know of, of irene and, and childbirth and to truly like to empathize and to to walk to walk with sit with because i think sometimes so many of our like pushbacks and ignorance and the social media kind of frenzy right now is from a place where there's no room for that shared pain like talk to me a little bit about that well i think 
you know, and I'm gonna, I wanna rewind just a bit because I wanna give another, just a little clarity and I think it'll help with this question too. So I went, um, you know, I've, I've, I've had revival in my health, right? So I used to be addicted to food and, you know, I've lost 150 pounds and gained about 19 back with COVID-19. Um, but when I, when I was heavier, I used to had one time I had chest pains to the point where I had to go to the emergency room. And um, I walked in the emergency room and it's the emergency room. It's not the primary care doctor. It's the emergency room. And I saw a waiting room in the emergency room. So if you think about that, it's an emergency, right? But when I went in and I started to explain the symptoms, I said, I'm having some chest pain. I'm feeling shortness of breath. Everyone in the waiting room could appreciate that the attack of the heart is more critical at that moment. And whether they were, had a stomach ache, whether they broke their foot, right? Whatever, they were in the emergency room with the doctor at that time made a decision that it was important for my issue to go to the front of the line, mm. right? And everyone in the emergency room understands that when it's a heart issue, it's gotta be pushed to the front of the line, even though all of this is an emergency. And so the people that are saying all lives matter, I get it, but I'm not sure if that's in the emergency room right now. What's in the emergency room is if all lives matter, then black lives matter too. Come on. And the good doctor, the good physician, Jesus Christ, who is in control, has put a spotlight on this issue right now. For me and the African-Americans and people of color to, to, to address the hurts of their heart that has been around for years, and no one gets an opinion about what Jesus brings to the surface because he wants to bring revival in here right now because he understands that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, right? And so when I went to the emergency room, yes, man, I just went in and guess what? He got to all those other needs too because they're all emergencies. But guess what? This was first and right now, this has not been first in a lot of years. And I've got a little bit of hope that Jesus is in the business of healing the hurts mm -hmm. of colored people, people of color. Yeah. And so everyone who says, does all lives matter? Yeah, yeah. But right now, this house is on fire. And when the fire department comes to put it out, a house that's not on fire can't say, well, what about my house too? Talk to me about that hope then, because I see it in your eyes. And what do you, what, what's your hope? What do you, what do you see for your kids and for your grandkids? Like what's, what's your belief for them? Cause I see, I see you um, stepping into this right now. And, and, and I mean, you, you, you've been in this yeah, a lot, but you know what? It's really, it's really other people that are stepping in right now and trying to lock arms and, and, and some of us are late to the conversation. Yeah. Talk to me about your hope though. Like, what do you, 
what do you what do you see and what do you see for the future and what signs of hope do you see in in today that we can press into well i believe that the local church is the hope of the world yeah so the fact that the local church is having these conversations gives me hope because the vehicle the local church is the emergency room it is and what happens is, is people right now with hurts and wounds, they're going to try to find the place, right, that, 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 they can, that they know that healing can happen. And I believe that God is a healer. So the hope that I have right now is that we would get out of the way of being, oh, let me say this, we would get out of the way of building the church we want, and we would step into being the church that Jesus wants. And that church is going to have compassion for crowds, right? The problem is, is we've only had compassion for the crowds that's in the four walls of the church. And I'm believing that God is going to cause revival to have, for us to have compassion for the four corners of the earth. Mm. And all of us, Acts 1-8, is going to be able to visit our uttermost. That's everything beyond our, com our comfort zone. And, and walk out this great commission so that it's no longer the great omission. And I'm excited that pastors are having to have these conversations. I'm excited that I'm talking to uh, pastors who have just ignored this area. And I said, can we have more passion about, uh, or, or let me say this, this time in the emergency room, can we just be just as passionate uh, as we do with end it, in ending human trafficking and painting an X on our hands and posting it. We're so ready to get behind that, but we're kind of like, you know, tipping our toes into this and saying, I'm not right. sure. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Well, I, I think that why I have hope is because when Jesus gave the commission to go and make disciples, he says, all authority has been given to go reach all people. And if we haven't been willing to reach all people, we probably haven't experienced all of God's authority. So can you imagine what, we, what we've been able to accomplish with some authority? Can you wait till the, a level of anointing that is released when we're making this public and not secrets to people that we don't prefer, but we're going public with this as public as a city on a hill that church is that city on a hill mm -hmm. that church needs to be diverse and here's what i want to say this i've had pastor says well i don't live in a diverse area well here's what i'm going to tell you if diversity never shows up in your church let's make sure it shows up in your heart that's massive um <laughs> make sure it shows up in your heart and isn't that the key to everything i mean it it, you know it's Proverbs, out of it flow all the issues of life. I mean, all of what we're talking about here ultimately is it's a condition of the heart. I guess the thing that I've been thinking in the background these last few weeks is um, huh. I, I, um, I don't want the church to miss this moment. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I'm not just talking about Liberty Church. I'm talking about the church. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and um, 
I get why people get uncomfortable and hey, I'm there. I mean, I don't, I don't feel super qualified to lead a church, let alone to lead in times like these through a pandemic and all the things that are going on right now. And I think Joshua felt that way, you know, <laughs> and God's like, be strong and courageous. Stay in the word. You will lead these people. You know, and he's like, I got to follow Moses and cross the Jordan in flood and walled cities and giants and but that's like, but God's the one that makes us able, right? To lean on him and, and I'm not minimizing the learning curve here, but I guess, I guess, I guess here's my question. Um, I, I guess the heart of what made me cry just then is this feeling that if, that if, if what missing this would look like is, I don't know how many weeks it is from now, how many months it is from now, but it's so possible, Jimmy, that the, the new cycle and the social media swirl moves on, right? And the question is for me, like, uh, and I guess in many ways you've already spoken to it, but, but how do we affect real and lasting change? And not just be in the moment and then step into something else right now. Because I, I want for many of the people of color in our church. And look, this, this lands differently for people in our London community or our Manzini community. But the, the fact is injustice and racism is in the, it's, it's, it's everywhere. It comes out looking different, but it's everywhere. So maybe we can kind of land it with this, man. What, yeah. How do we affect lasting change? Well, I think first is just recognizing uh, that the destination is long. Yeah. Right. And it's going to require several layovers. And what we cannot do is mistaken a layover for the final destination. Mm. And, you know, when I remember the first time I flew, uh, my final destination was Nairobi, Kenya. And on the way there, you know, we had a layover at Heathrow Airport. And let me tell you something, that is amazing. It's like a hotel. I had, they had massage chairs. They had Gordon Ramsay restaurants. And it's so easy to get comfortable in layovers. I could have just said, man, I just want to stay here, right? We can't get comfortable with just the conversation. Hmm. Compassion, true compassion requires an action. So I think for this not to be a moment, we have to be willing to what we're going to commit to that the final destination is there hmm. and then have accountability structures in place that says, no, that's just the layover. So we're going to have to visit the layover of forgiveness. We're going to have to visit the layover of hard conversations. We're going to have to visit the layover of prayer. We're going to have to visit the layover of community. We're going to have to visit the layover of having lunch with people that don't look like us and coming out of our comfort zone. We're going to have to visit the layover of equipping our children with black history. We're going to have to visit the layover of figuring out what we do in our public schools when our African-American uh, kids have to visit their pain on the pages of history books. We're gonna have to visit these areas and have tough conversations and be committed that the final, that I'm not going to quit short of the final destination. And the final destination is equality. And, I, and I, some of my white friends have said, well, haven't we gotten progress? Well. Anything short of equality is not progress. It's just a layover. Mm. Oh, I didn't know what to say. 
that speaks to my heart because uh, it's something to pace yourself. I think yeah. that's where I am right now. And, and maybe it's partly the pandemic speaking. <laughs> it feels like it went on a bit longer than I expected. And there's like an emotional adjustment to settle in and say, yeah, you know what? Real. We can do this. Yeah. We can do this. Um, Jimmy, I love you. And I'm just, I'm beyond grateful. You know, obviously we could, we could talk for hours. We have, and we will, but um, maybe, maybe I could just have you pray. Um, yeah. Have you pray over everybody watching? Cause I, I, I know people are at, some people are real tender right now. Some people are really hurting right now. Some people are disoriented right now. Um, there's a lot of need and there's a lot. I, it's, I just see the Holy spirit on this moment. Yeah. And, and I just love you to pray uh, over us that we would see, I mean, for, for real, I know this is, this is easy to say, but it's like what you just said then equality, equality that we would see uh, it on earth as it is in heaven. Could you, could you just pray over us, man, to close this out? Well, can I, can I offer one thing? And I, I just want to help with some of my white friends and, mm -hmm. you know, like it's not racism or nothing. Like, I think a lot of this hard conversations have been because I think some of the white friends want, they don't want to be convinced that they're racist. Like, like all white people aren't racist and all black people don't hate all white people. But I think that this would help before I pray. Please. Can we just ask God to search our hearts? Yeah. See if we love being comfortable. Because when you love being comfortable, you start preferring your comfort zone. And if you prefer your comfort zone for an extended period of time, your comfort zone becomes a standard. Mm. And what happens is, is when you have a standard, then you start stereotyping everybody that's outside of your standard or outside of your preference. Because what happens is, is that blocks opportunity for relationship. Mm. And so stereotyping is just the view of the narrow-minded because they refuse to come out of their preferences in their comfort zone. Well, you got to be careful because if that becomes a standard, that standard becomes prejudgment, which is prejudice, which is the next step is racism, which is superiority. I don't think uh, that there are a lot of people that I've met uh, in my sphere of art or my sphere of pastors that I preach for that are racist. No, they just have a comfort zone. Mm. And that comfort zone has a preference and that preference zone becomes a standard. Can we pray right there that our comfort zone never becomes our preference mm -hmm. so that we can continue to expand our crowd? Come on, please. Yeah, church. Mm -hmm. I thank you for Paul and Andy. I thank you for JR and Tess. I thank you for everyone uh, that is listening to this. And God, I know that this is an opportunity where the Holy Spirit is gonna come and do internal surgery so I've been praying, God, can you search the parts of my heart that are comfortable? Can you search the parts of my heart that have become my preference zone that allows me to visit my uttermost? Father, I pray right now that you would open up my mind to be able to listen, to listen, not to respond. Father, you said in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, that word turn is repent. That means a direction change from their wicked ways. Then you will hear from heaven 
forgive their sins and heal their land. Heal the land of our minds, our hearts, and our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, amen, my friend. I'm just grateful beyond words for your, your heart and your wisdom. And you know, the compassion that you're praying, like you just, you just exude that. I know you know that, but I just want to say thank you for the way you bring this beautiful strength and compassion to this conversation and um it's just you know it's 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 just jesus shining through you and i thank you for taking the time sharing this with our church and and uh i pray that it's it's gonna bear fruit that lasts man i'm grateful well we love you and we're committed uh to continue the conversation and turning that conversation into action so i love you man yeah we're we're in it together love you man thank you for everything absolutely Okay. All right, bye-bye.